is White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. Drive in the air! Deep to right! It is gone! This is a presentation of the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Good afternoon, and I am not Connor McKnight. I am Jeff Meller. Connor McKnight is getting set to call today's game, today's action between the Chicago White Sox and the Baltimore Orioles from Guaranteed Rate Field alongside Darren Jackson. So don't worry, though, never fear. I was able to get confirmation from Connor McKnight that he will still join us here on White Sox Weekly. He's going to hop on in about 15 minutes, take a little bit of time away from his pregame prep to join you, the White Sox fan, to hear from him. And uh, don't worry, we'll keep it rolling the traditional White Sox Weekly way right here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Again, I'm Jeff Meller. I'll be here for the next two hours, and then uh, we'll bring pregame your way. We've got a White Sox-Orioles game two of a three-game set. Today, a uh, tough one last night. The White Sox go down 6-3. to three. I do have to say, a little bit disappointing. It was uh, one of the rougher losses because they were what felt like in command, 3 nothing heading into the seventh inning. And I thought Ronaldo Lopez did a great job executing some pitches to get out of what should have been, or what should have been getting out of a jam. Unfortunately, the he sawed off, uh, trying to think now, he sawed off the uh, Orioles hitter, Elvis Andrews was not able to come up with the play, and unfortunately, Ronaldo Lopez then left uh, left a, left a, a ball right over the heart of the plate, and Adley Rutschman showed why he is one of the bright young stars in this ball game. But you know what? It is a great day to get back to the winning ways here, and uh, I have to tell you, it is absolutely perfect. It is perfection for baseball today. I can't believe on a April day. We have this type of weather, so if you uh, are just kind of looking around on a Saturday afternoon with nothing on your agenda, I would highly encourage you to come on out to the ballpark here at Guaranteed Rate because I'm telling you right now, I'm sitting here in the booth with Brendan Riley and just watching it, soaking it in. The sun is out. It is scheduled to be 80 degrees today, so it's going to be a fabulous afternoon. So come on out and enjoy some White Sox baseball here at Guaranteed Rate Field. All right, so... To get into the nuts and bolts, though, as I mentioned, the White Sox go down 6-3 to yesterday, their third loss in a row, and uh, it was a very difficult, difficult loss. But the bright spot, Mike Clevenger, now he walked five hitters, but he was able to navigate it, and he was able to sidestep those walks and actually pitched six shutout innings. Now, it was aided by a fabulous play by Andrew Benintendi in left field, really showing why. The White Sox spent the money on him, that gold glove caliber uh, defense, which I'll let you hear later in the show here on White Sox Weekly. But uh, Mike Clevenger did a really nice job, and in the post game, he talked about the White Sox right now scuffling along, but he's still got some optimism. I don't want to sit there and say we just beat ourselves, but it feels like almost every game we've kind of you know beat ourselves. So I mean, if you want to look at a silver lining, I mean, there's so many. I mean, we we could have a lot of wins right now. So I mean, it's just again finding our identity, which we're we're in the process of, and then uh, you know figuring out how to mold those pieces together. It seems like one day one thing's doing well, something's off. So I mean, it's just time. It just takes a little time, especially with new faces, new clubhouse. It takes time. And there you go, Mike Clevenger yesterday. Uh... Again, six shutout innings, only gave up one hit and was able to scatter around five walks. And obviously that's not exactly what you want to do, but he did 
elaborate where he thought uh, a couple of those walks were just some really good at-bats by the Baltimore Orioles hitters. And as we're seeing, the Orioles, they have a lot of really good young talent, especially on the hitting side. So they are going to be uh, an up-and-coming lineup that teams have to deal with going forward. And I think the White Sox are getting a little bit of a taste of it. But again, encouraged by Mike Clevenger giving you six shutout innings. He really has been a nice revelation and somebody the White Sox have been able to count on here in the early going. And if he is rekindling those days in Cleveland where he was, you know, a close to Cy Young caliber pitcher, I mean, that is something that I know the White Sox, you know, in their, you want to, dream and say, okay, what are you getting from Mike Clevenger when you sign him to a one-year deal? The best case scenario is, yeah, maybe he gets back to those ways in Cleveland. And and early on, he has looked really good for the White Sox pitching staff, which has been a really nice find. Now, Rick Hahn did meet the media yesterday before the game began. And, you know, they they head into that game yesterday at five and eight. Um, Of course, they fall and go to five and nine. But he was asked specifically, all right, so where are you at right now? You're below 500. How are you feeling about your White Sox team right now? It's really dangerous to take broad conclusions from one game or three games at any stretch of the year, whether it's in April when things tend to get magnified or, you know, even mid-June. Like any three-game stretch, frankly, even any 13-game stretch is not necessarily indicative of the other 100. 59 or 149 games, uh, whatever the math is there. Uh, get on my That's it. Every team wants to get off to a good start. We're disappointed in how the start has gone thus far. There's been times where the starting pitching was probably the culprit for keeping us out of games. There's been times when it's been the bullpen. Uh, both of those two certainly stepped up over the week in, in Minnesota. Uh so it's just really a matter of getting each element clicking at the same time. I, I Again, I think the simpler way of explaining it is we know we have something to prove and we know we have to prove it again. And I think that's some sage advice there from a guy who's been around and seen a lot of baseball. It just feels bigger in April because you don't have – the you know the long resume to look at throughout the season and uh, you know certainly you don't want to start five and nine but the reality is you know it's just a a blip when you look at the grand scheme of things and I think there's some things to be positive about the White Sox have of course dealt with some injuries and that's not unexpected at this time of year as you have guys coming out of spring training kind of you know getting their legs figuring things out and seeing you know getting back into the baseball routine of things and the White Sox are not the only team that's been hit by injuries, but as we've seen, they've been hit by, you know, significant players. Tim Anderson, of course, right now on the injured list, uh, Eloy, just coming back yesterday and actually delivering an RBI single. Funnily enough, Eli hits two rockets in his first two at-bats, and they both end up being outs. And then the bloop hit broken bat, where he just gets, uh, he just reaches out and, and gets the bat on the ball, ends up being the uh, RBI single. So it, that baseball, it's just, it's just quirky that way. But in addition to that, you know, the White Sox have, uh, you know, Yoan Mankata also was uh, put on the injured list yesterday before the game. So they're dealing with some, you know, some big injuries to uh, the, you know, the core of the lineup there, and 
Not to mention, also, Liam Hendricks, who just adds so much stability to the back end of the bullpen. You put Liam Hendricks in that closing slot, and of course, everybody else kind of just gets to fall in line in that nice little pecking order. So the White Sox are dealing with a rash of injuries, and again, that's not to be unexpected this time of year, and hopefully they can get through it just a little bit. But that is the case. That is the reality of where they're at right now. Rick Hahn did address some of the injury concerns for the White Sox. Am I going to let 13 days dictate our feelings on the, the changes we've made? Absolutely not. Uh, the, the level of preparation, analysis, professionalism, everything that has gone into player performance uh, has been impressive and remains strong. I, I sat here, I think it was your fault actually, at the last time we sat here together when we wanted, not to get, uh, when we wanted to talk wanted about, to. check your comments, it'll be one of you. Uh, <laughs> when we were talking about player health and availability and how great of a start we had and how oh, great it is to have that core together. And I think you might have, to your credit, even said I don't want to attempt the baseball guys, which, which you did. Uh, so that was a week ago, right? Maybe 10 days ago when we had that conversation. So we didn't go from like, doing a really great job keeping everyone healthy and do a horse in 10 days like it's a larger it's a larger process and as i said that day unfortunately i think i was right by like five hours i said somebody is going to pull a hamstring at some point this is professional sports this happens if you look around the game there are guys getting hurt left and right just from normal course of competing this much early in the season. March and April tend to be the cruelest months when it comes to injuries as you ramp guys up. Uh, again, we want to do better. We're not going to, we're far, far, far from satisfied, but are we confident that we're doing the right thing? We're on the right path? Yes. Pragmatic approach there from White Sox general manager Rick Hahn kind of laying out the reality of the situation. And, of course, the White Sox would like to have better results. But right now, again, there's still things to be optimistic about, including Jake Berger filling in here and uh, delivering yet again another uh, home run last night. He's been, you know... The, the bat's never been in question. It's really just about creating opportunities for him. And, you know, whether it, maybe it's injuries that uh, he needs to get in the lineup a little bit more. But um, good to see him taking advantage of the opportunities when presented as well. So especially considering his draft pedigree, somebody who was selected as a first rounder. And, you know, I, I, you, again, it, it's a nice problem to have where you have, you know, so many bats where you don't need to just plug Jake Berger in right away, but would really be interested to see him with an opportunity to, you know, get a full complement of 500 plus plate appearances, you know, and I don't know if that's going to be in store for him this year. Obviously, um, if that is the case, you know, there would probably be an injury along the way, but weird things happen in baseball. You're not going to go through an entire season without suffering some injuries. That's just the reality of the game. And so, it's nice to see some of the depth pieces on the White Sox roster come in and show that they're capable of, you know, more than just being replacement level players. So that's something I'm encouraged to see. 312-332-3776. I'm Jeff Meller in for Connor McKnight on White Sox Weekly here today. Uh, don't worry, though, as I mentioned, Connor McKnight's going to join us here in just a few short minutes and we'll pick his brain as he gets set to call today's 110 first pitch, the second game of a three-game set against the Orioles for the White Sox here at Guaranteed Right Field. Hey, 
Join us for Family Sundays, presented by Coca-Cola at Guaranteed Rate Field. Bring your family out to the ballpark for a day full of fun. Tickets start at just 10 bucks. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Sunday to purchase your tickets today. And interestingly enough, tomorrow would be a great day because if you haven't noticed, Dylan Cease against Grayson Rodriguez is your pitching matchup tomorrow. So uh, tomorrow would be a fabulous way to uh, take advantage of that family Sunday opportunity, courtesy, again, of the White Sox at WhiteSox.com slash Sunday to purchase your tickets. I'm Jeff Meller. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller in for the man you usually hear during this time slot, and that would be, of course, Connor McKnight, who is gracious enough, looking very uh, peppy off of a very great, great night's sleep, no doubt. So peppy, so peppy, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, As I'm told, and I I guess I should have known this going in, four-month-old babies don't sleep a lot, so sometimes... They just keep everybody in the house up. But that's neither here nor there. we got a great day for baseball. You would think they would be a little more aware of the baseball schedule. Baby, I, four-month-old babies, that I, is. I but, talked her through the whole you know, 162 mm-hmm. games, 183 days. Mm-hmm. She even knows you know, what, how much service time she needs to create a full year mm-hmm. of service time. for that No suppression for her. But could not remember when first pitch was today. It's just tough. Uh, well... Well, we will uh, soldier it on, right, and try and figure it out. I'm sure it'll be a a great broadcast later today. But uh, all right, Connor, yesterday, my takeaway a little bit, last night was a little bit of a disappointing loss because it felt like the White Sox had had that one in check. And unfortunately, things just got away from Ronaldo Lopez after Elvis Andrews can't make a play that, you know, it's a tough play. But it's one where you really kind of wish you. It would have been interesting to see how that game unfolds differently had Elvis Andrews been able to come up with it. Yeah, very much a do or die play. I, I kind of thought the bat broke a little bit on that play as well. So perhaps it's not humming off that thing as quickly as Elvis uh, would have liked to have. I mean, if that got, ball gets to him faster, he's probably got a better chance of making that play. Um, you know, they played six innings of really good baseball. Yes. They played great defense in that sixth inning, that, that final inning before things kind of went off the rails in the seventh. And I guess that's kind of been, you know, you, you talk to guys around the clubhouse, you, it, it really kind of has been what this first 14 games have been like. Uh, not all three legs of the tripod have been properly stood up at the same time enough, and that's why you've got the 5-9 and nine record, right? Whether it's been the starting pitching that had its notable issues early on, uh, the offense which went a little quiet last day in Pittsburgh and then against the Minnesota Twins, or you know a, a bullpen that has had you know kind of intermittently uh, an il- inability to lock things down. You know, you look at Ronaldo Lopez last night, and you know the thing I kind of mentioned on the post game show. Although he found the middle of the plate a couple of times and got hurt for it, the the stuff looked right. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, at a hundred, it had some dance to it. The slider was good, though he wasn't locating it all that well and didn't get the swings and misses toward the bottom of the zone that we have seen him get, but like the under the hood yes. of Reynaldo Lopez all checked out last night, so I don't, I don't worry about him all that much in, in, in terms of last night's particular game. The old school me allowed my mind to venture down the idea of the closer mentality yeah. and, and wondering if Ronaldo Lopez has almost already gotten comfortable there because he does seem like in the ninth when you need him to come in and shut things down, he's there. And again, he did a great job. He, he basically did his job, but again, it was a tough play. As you said, do or die, but I did allow myself to wonder, hmm, I wonder if this is the ninth inning if Ronaldo Lopez, like, 
maybe is able to handle it just a little bit differently. If he's on, because, again, you said the stuff is there. Yeah. It's electric. He's the guy coming out of the bullpen you want. And, again, I understand it's a different, you know, high leverage situation. That's the – it's and for the, the smart way of approaching it. It's a good way. But I just wondered, you know, would he have been a little more comfortable in the ninth? You know, I, I, it's interesting. The one thing or a thing that I noticed Pedro Grafal saying from the very moment spring training started for this ball club is that he's going to leverage this bullpen. That's the verbiage he kept yep. using. We're going to leverage the pen. We're going to leverage the pen. And I, I would guess, and he's talked about it some. James Fegan had a good article about it. I want to say day before yesterday, something like that in The Athletic, about how they've gone into camp and come out of camp really stressing that bullpen guys, Reynaldo Lopez, Kendall Graveman, Joe Kelly went healthy. You know, the, the high-leverage dudes, they're going to get the toughest opportunities. And I, you know, as a, as a baseball kind of nerd, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to bullpen usage, I would prefer if to not have a set closer if all things were equal, right? Like if you could just take the human element yes. out of the bullpen mm-hmm. and just plug and play MLB the show yeah. and just use your best matchup every single time. That's the most efficient way to do it. Mm-hmm. That's how Terry Francona's done it for a really long time. That's how Tony La Russa did it before that, and then he got into a little, you know, kind of 7th, 8th, and nine guys, right? I, I think, though, the experiment, if there is one here, is kind of a fun thing to watch happen. Nobody in baseball has been told that they're going to be the guy of the moment like Ronaldo Lopez has been. Because... In the background, Liam Hendricks may return soon, mm-hmm. so he knows that if Liam's back, Liam's closing ball games, and everyone hopes he is, up to and including Renato Lopez, right? We just yep. want to see him back in pitching. But that, that means that the mentality has to be different for him from, from scratch. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if next time he's dropped into a leverage spot, 6th, 7th, 8th, that there's better success. Uh, because we've seen it before from Reynaldo, and I think this coaching staff, this pitching infrastructure, has really done a good job laying that road down for him. And truth be told, uh, you know, it's an unfortunate situation, too, because there's probably a lot of hitters where he actually, you know, may, may be able to may be able to get away with that where it's just fouled off. But, you know, Adley Rutschman's not the guy you want to leave a ball over the plate to. No, he is uh, He is a bad man, Jeff. He is a very – you know, we talked – how many times have, have you, you know, kind of watched baseball over the last two, three decades almost, and you, you see the catcher come up, right? Whatever – whoever it is, right? And that catcher's 26, 27, took some time to cook in the minors, all that kind of thing. Adley Rutschman came into the league at 24, not only a fully formed catcher, yep. but a fully formed hitter. And that's really impressive. I mean, truly, truly impressive to go through the minor leagues as quickly as he did playing that position, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and make the impact he has. This Baltimore lineup's a fun one. You know, I, I like just about everybody in it, from Adley Rutschman to Ryan Mountcastle to, uh, to Austin Hayes. I, I think it's a really fun offense. The White Sox have an opportunity here, though, to get to Kyle Gibson. Results yes. so far this season aside, and... You know, Tyler Wells pitched a good game last night, but the Sox held him. You know, they put three runs on him um, and just couldn't held the rest of the offense in check. Uh, opposing Kyle Gibson will be Michael Kopech. And, of course, a uh, big start for him. It seems like everyone out there nowadays seems to be a big start. And, of course, last time out he was good, but the White Sox were not able to give him some support. So uh, what are you looking for from Michael Kopech today? Well, something that really uh, impressed me from his start against the Pirates. Remember, that's the bullpen. The bench is clearing the bullpen emptying uh, fracas, right? Yes. after O'Neal, O'Neal Cruz. Cruz. Yeah, and, and hopefully he's going to be back and playing soon. But a fractured ankle sucks. So... The bullpen's empty, right? Everybody comes out, there's yelling, there's screaming, there's pushing, there's shoving, and Kopech is right at the center of it. And 
he was able to, through, with the help of Ethan Katz and Pedro Grafol, going out right after the whole thing and settled down with a mound visit, to get back into whatever mindset he needed to get into to finish out that inning. I think that's really impressive from a pitcher. Your adrenaline spiked. You're Michael Kopech, and you know you can reach back for 98 anytime you want mm-hmm. it, maybe to your own detriment at times, you know. Uh, so to be able to control and calm yourself and and get a really good start after his first start w- was a disaster, that's a big step in the right direction. So I I you know I hope and expect that Kopech goes out here and makes the next big step or or at least continues on the path that he'd been on. The strikeouts were okay, the walks were a little high. It was a little goofy in and around the strike zone, but the fastball was really good last time against the Pirates, and that's where he lives. You know that pitch has got to be right for him. Connor McKnight joining me here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Jeff Mellor. Usually it's Connor McKnight driving the show, but I'm the captain today. That so you are, sir. He will uh, be on the call of today's game with Darren Jackson later on. First pitch coming your way at 110. So I've been playing a little bit of Rick Hahn from yesterday as he met the media before the homestand began. And um, any takeaways for you that stood out from Rick Hahn yesterday? Yeah, you know, two things. One is, you know, he stressed that, uh, and, it, and it may not be fun to have to talk about, injury never are, but he stressed that injuries are part of this game. Guys get hamstrings. They had been healthy up until the point that Eloy Jimenez had the hamstring strain, and then they very quickly weren't healthy. Personally, Jeff, I don't don't know how you feel about it, but when baseball has contact injuries, Mm -hmm. I mean like player contact injuries, not player and wall, I those are fluke plays. Yes. Those are in in most cases, uh, those are plays where a player has very little control over what happens next. Right? There's, there's no amount of training a player can do to avoid really not. that and injury. Weirdly, uh, the the play where Byron Buxton ran into Lenin Sosa in Minnesota, mm-hmm. that is the play where you do need to be a bit more heads up. You are watching the defender. If he was screened, he was screened. Yes. We haven't heard him say that one way or the other. But it's it's very rare where a collision play a player has anything that he can do differently about it. So I take the Tim Anderson injury and kind of put that in a very different bucket. I completely still, agree. It still affects them the same way, though, yep. you know? And I, I think the other thing I, I appreciated Rick saying was we came into this offseason, this spring training, Cactus League, whole thing, saying we've got to prove this to you. And he very much understood, and I think this team very much understands that they have not done that yet. And it has not been the start that they wanted. Um, it is 14 games. There's a lot of baseball left. They have a very tough schedule here in April, believe it or not. This mm-hmm. Orioles team is good. I don't know if you've heard, but the Rays are a very good baseball club. Uh, and then you got to play them a couple of times here in April, too. You read my mind because I was literally going to mention the fact that through 14 games, the Tampa Bay Rays now finally have a defeat after yeah. last night. I know that's something that. you've been tracking a lot in the pregame. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, I, I made note of that for you just to uh, mention that uh, they actually are – Beatable. Any uh, any piece of trivia where you get to bring up the St. Louis Maroons from the 1884 season? Uh, that's a fun one. Uh, and I enjoyed the way you played it yesterday. I did uh, I did note the 84 St. Louis Maroons. Right. Oh, by the way, 1884. 18, so. 1884. They played a team, and I Len knows the history of it. I've looked it up some, and it's still a little confusing to me. They played a team, the Maroons did, the Pittsburgh slash Chicago franchise. <laughs> <laughs> they played like one game in Pittsburgh uh-huh. and then had to fold up shop because they didn't have it all set and moved to Chicago and played the rest of the games in Chicago in 1884. Like so, that's, just, so, that's how baseball worked. Do you, was just, now, ah, we'll see what happens. Now listen, you're completely forgiven if you have no idea the follow-up question I'm about to ask. 
I assume they dropped Pittsburgh from their name at that point, or they did are, they keep it? I don't know because I, I haven't seen any of the marketing stuff for mm-hmm. Game Logic. Sure, but Baseball Reference has them as the Chicago Pittsburgh. Yes, you know, but that, that's Baseball Reference. Of course, that's wonky. yeah. I did hear that. Um, oh gosh, what was the other fun thing I heard? Oh, Jeff Passan tweeted this. Mm-hmm. 1884 was either the year after or two years after pitchers were allowed to throw overhand. Ah, yes. You know. That's a, a significant innovation. That is that is increasing the level of difficulty just a touch, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, I would say so. Could you imagine if we were alive and all of a sudden the rule changes had been enacted that year? And Unbelievable. Sudden, you, know, you think the pitch clock something. Oh, guys, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna let these guys throw overhand. Yeah, Jeff, guys are throwing. Nobody's going to get a hit. You get to throw overhand? What next? You're going to be allowed to bend your elbow? <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Can't have it. Fabulous stuff. Uh, all right, Connor, we will be uh, – any last words before I let you go b- get back to your pregame prep here? No, I guess I'll have to do more research about the 84 season the 1884 season all right well we will be uh, anxiously awaiting those nuggets later on that is connor mcknight here on white Sox weekly um as always you can usually catch him on this show but of course he has uh, play-by-play duties today with darren jackson so uh he will be with you a little bit later on coming your way around one o'clock first pitch again 110 here at guaranteed rate field hey Sox fans Head to the ballpark on April 29th as the White Sox take on the Tampa Bay Rays at 6.10 p.m. The first 20,000 fans will receive a White Sox hockey jersey presented by Guaranteed Rate. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. I'm Jeff Miller here on White Sox Weekly. Up next, let's hear from Pedro Gafal, the White Sox manager. Checked in with Cap and Jay Hood, the uh, flagship station here, ESPN 1000, earlier in the week and had uh, some interesting thoughts. So I'll let you hear what he had to say with the guys coming up here right on the uh, Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000 and the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller in for Connor McKnight today who is on the call with Darren Jackson. First pitch coming your way at 110 today as the White Sox take on the Baltimore Orioles at guaranteed rate field. Let's pause 10 seconds for station's ID. As I mentioned earlier, it is uh, certainly a beautiful day out of the ballpark. So uh, if you are looking for something to do, this is the uh, perfect place to be. Come join us here at Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, White Sox, Orioles, Michael Kopech taking on Kyle Gibson today as the White Sox look to end their three-game losing streak. Let's try Tracy, who's on the south side, had a question about uh, the White Sox manager. Tracy, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's going on? How you doing? Doing well. Uh, How about you? Fine. Uh, I want to know, oh, why do he keep taking Burger out, making a switch when Burger is hitting good? If go player is playing good, you don't need a switch. Yeah, no, I, I, I get your uh, your concern, Tracy. Um, as I mentioned early in the show, uh, Jake Burger certainly been somebody who you love to watch hit, and of course, I think. You know, the score of the game plays a huge role in that situation. Um, with the White Sox up in that at that moment, it was, you know, n- knowing that he wanted a, a better matchup um, for, for Gavin Sheets there when he pinch hit at the time and uh, an understanding that he was in all likelihood going to replace Jake Berger with uh, Hanser Alberto for just defensive purposes. And that's something you're going to see most managers do. That's not just a Pedro Grafal thing. That's, you know, when, and again, I like Jake Berger a lot as a hitter. He still has a lot to prove as a fielder. And in a situation where you're leading by three runs, you want to give your team the best opportunity to win. And I think the hope was always that, 
you wouldn't need Jake Berger's bat at that point because you'd already established the lead. So I really think that was the thinking and the thought process there, Tracy. It's just an unfortunate situation that the uh, White Sox bullpen was not able to hold the lead yesterday. It really, you know, and until Jake Berger does a little more defensively, and I'll be, I'll be honest, you know, we're gonna, it's going to take a long time to get to the point where Pedro Grafal is going to leave Jake Berger in the lineup late in games when he's got better alternatives defensively. You know, it's going to take, you know, Jake Berger just, you know, hitting the ball, hitting the cover off the ball so much that he feels like I cannot take him out of the, out of the lineup. And and even still, you know, um, we've seen Hall of Fame talents in this game and Manny Ramirez still be replaced defensively. So, you know, I you don't, I wouldn't put too much stock in that situation. I don't think that was by any means a bad managerial call yesterday. It's just the reality of trying to give your team the best opportunity to win. We mentioned Pedro Grafal there. Let's uh, let you hear from Pedro Grafal, who joined Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 earlier this week on Wednesday and um, had a lot of interesting things to say. Good to hear from Pedro Grafal, a little more um, personality-driven as well, a little more than you get from just a pregame show. Here is the White Sox manager with Cap and Jay Hood earlier in the week. Well, some of it's part of the game, and uh, I don't think any one of them is a shocker. But um, you know, the, one of them, you know, Timmy's was just uh, misexecuted rundown. You know, so um, but again, you're right; it's part of the game. Uh, it's early for it to be part of the game, but we are where we are, and we just got to have that next man up mentality and move forward. Can you just explain to all of us how should that rundown have been executed to be proper fundamentally? Well, they actually they actually made the right call on that because I don't think you would have turned a 5-4-3 double play right there with Michael Taylor running. So, you know, it was a, a 5-4 and then getting a rundown. And what happened was, you know, Timmy went we're right where you're supposed to be. And, you know, Alberto, once he once he threw the ball to to uh, Andrews at second base, just stayed in that in that lane where he needed to just you know spear off that lane and let you know and let the rundown happen between Andrews and uh, and Timmy, and then and that's where you know the ball came to Alberto. Alberto dropped the ball, then he tried to flip it to Timmy, and the runner kind of dove right into Timmy's knee. So uh, it was just uh, unfortunate. Uh, situation where you know Timmy got hurt, you know, in a in a botched rundown, really. Pedro, you've been around baseball for a long time, so you know what it looks like when it's right defensively for a ball club. So, what is your philosophy overall about working on defense and getting it right? Well, I mean, we're working. You know, the guys are out there working every single day. We were um, we were on a nice little little run there defensively in the last uh, few games. Uh, you know we've uh, we've made some mistakes. Uh, these uh, these are being addressed. Um, we were out there working yesterday. They'll be out there working today, and uh, it's just one of those things where we gotta, you know, we gotta address these things, and we gotta go out there and work on them the next day and improve. And that's that's just a part of it. Pedro Grafal is the manager of the Chicago White Sox. He joins Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Sitting in the other dugout with Kansas City, what did you notice most about the White Sox as a team? Well, the one thing I noticed is the one thing that's not happening now is that, you know, last year the energy part of it and uh, the intensity part, you know, was just off and on. And that's the one thing I can tell you. These guys are coming out. Uh, they're, they're, they're preparing with, uh, with intensity and energy and, you know, they're playing hard. You know, these guys are playing hard. They're running hard. Uh, they're working hard. They're preparing for a game. We're meeting. 
Um, you know, we're going over clubs. We're going we're going over the pitching. Um, you know, we're going over all the fundamentals that we need to go over uh, on the opposing club and the things that we can do and can't do. Um, so, you know, of putting it all together now and, you know, getting the pitching and the hitting going at the same time. Pedro, when did you first start really falling in love with baseball? Because the reason why I ask that question is because I'm sure that your love for baseball, you can impart that to young players. So what did, when did you say, yeah, this is the game for me, that I really love the sport? Well, my dad took me to, to my first baseball game with my first baseball practice when I was four years old. Um, you know, unfortunately for me, I had, you know, two sports that I loved, and I love baseball and I love tennis, you know, so I, w- I wasn't, you know, one of these kids that just, just played baseball every single day. You know, I, I mixed it up a little bit. Um, and then when I had to make a decision right around, I think it was around 12 years old, um, you know, baseball was obviously the, the sport that I that I chose, and you know, I just love the game. I love everything about it. I love to play it. I love to practice it. I, um, you know, and then as my career, you know, in the minor leagues started to, you know, go in a different direction, then you know, my mind went to player development, and it went to, you know, teaching and and managing, and you know, that type of mentality. So, uh, I've loved it probably since I was four years old. You know, the good thing is that I was doing something else, too. I, it was just, it just wasn't baseball, so I didn't get burned out from it. Um, and then once, once I got to about 12 years old, it was just strictly baseball. And this is something that I love. I have a passion for it. I never get sick of it. I never get bored from it. Um, <clears throat> this is what I do. You know, I do. I do baseball, and I spend time with my family. This is just the two things that I do in life. So and we're talking to White Sox manager Pedro Grafal here on the home of the White Sox, ESPN 1000. What I find interesting is I think you're, you hit it right. Your club plays hard. There's some talent there. What has been the biggest surprise to you when you move over one seat? Now you're the guy. You're not the and the bench coach or the first base coach. Or third, they play vital roles. It's your team now. Wins and losses are on your ledger. What's the biggest surprise you found so far? You know, the, the good thing is that my career took me to many different uh, chairs, right? And this this chair right here mimics uh, a lot of different chairs that I've gone through in, in my career, which, you know, the administration part of mimics the farm directing. The managing part in the minor leagues obviously mimics, you know, managing here and managing winter ball the coordinating part uh mimics mimics the instruction and and all the stuff that goes on the field and leading and you know so there hasn't been really any surprises to this job um you know the one thing that that obviously is different is is that you know you wear it right you got to wear it you're the you're the you're the manager and you know the the club that's a the club's a reflection you know on you and your preparation and and your motivation and um, and what you're trying to do on a daily basis and your structure and, you know, everything. So um, you got to wear it. And, and that's the one thing that, you know, I go home. I love this game. I love this team. I love this game. I love this organization. I love what I do. You know, so I, you know, I'm hard on myself. Um, and that's the one thing that I, uh, you know, that I battle with. I don't, I don't see it changing. I'm always going to be that way. Um, I just got to, you know, do a better job of, you know, flushing things and getting back here the next day and, 
you know, and uh, understanding that, you know, today's a good day to start a winning streak, really. That is White Sox manager Pedro Grafal as he joined Cap and Jay Hood earlier this week on ESPN 1000, the flagship station for the High Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller in for Connor McKnight today. Connor's got the call with Darren Jackson. Again, White Sox and Orioles game two of this three games set at guaranteed rate field coming your way with a 110 first pitch today. And I cannot reiterate it enough. It is a gorgeous day here at the ballpark. So uh, head on over and join us today because... There's more than one reason. There is a fabulous celebration going on, which I need to share with you. It's going to be a great day to be in the ballpark. It's something I'm sure you're probably aware of, but maybe it slipped your mind. I'll share what it is with you next right here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Do, da, dippity. You can go with this or you can go with that. You can go with this or you can go with that. I think you can go with this because this is kind of fat. Jeff Meller broadcasting live from Guaranteed Rate Field on White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000, the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Today is one of the best, might be the best, annual tradition across baseball. And that, of course, for those who may not be aware of the exact date, it is April 15th, which is the day that baseball honors and celebrates what Jackie Robinson did, not just for this sport, but for the country as a whole. Um, April 15th, 1947, the dates when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier for the Brooklyn Dodgers and became the first African-American player to play. And what he was able to do, not just as a player, but what he had to endure while playing baseball is... You know, it, it's unfathomable. It's un, it's unimaginable. Um, you know, the the racism that he had to deal with at, while trying to play one of the most difficult sports. You know, hitting a baseball often argued the most difficult thing to do in sports, and with essentially an entire race on his shoulders because knowing that he was going to be everything he did was under a microscope, right? So he had to listen to these insults by racist fans who were ignorant and didn't really understand the what the significance of what they were the spew and the what they were hurling at him and for Jackie Robinson to not just play baseball but have to have to play at a level that you know, think about it. Basically unparalleled because what he had, he had to be a great player so that he could change the minds again of, of, of those who were ignorant and to really tap into, you know, the reality of, listen, yes, African-American players could compete at the highest level and could also excel at the highest level. And just to think about all of that, and then for the levels that he played at were unbelievable. Uh, just some wanted to read you a few uh, few quotes from Jackie Robinson because again it is uh, it is one of the best traditions in baseball. As uh, across the league, everybody will be wearing the number forty two. It's kind of cool as I look out on the uh, scoreboard, looking at the lineup. You know, I see Michael Kopech up against Kyle Gibson. Kopech number forty two. Kyle Gibson number forty two. 
when you look at the White Sox lineup, up and down the lineup, number 42 listed against everybody's name. Andrew Benintendi in left field leading off, number 42. In center field, Luis Robert, number 42. Hitting third, Andrew Vaughn, number 42. DHing, Aloy Jimenez, number 42. Doing the catching, hitting fifth, Yasmani Grandal, number 42. Playing third base, Jake Berger, number 42. In right field, Oscar Colas, number 42. Hitting seventh, playing second base, Lenin Sosa, number 42. And hitting ninth, playing shortstop, Elvis Andrews, number 42. So again, everybody will be wearing number 42. All baseball personnel in uniform today will be wearing number 42, honoring Jackie Robinson. Some great quotes from Jackie Robinson Plenty of times I wanted to haul off when somebody insulted me for the color of my skin, but I had to hold to myself. I knew I was kind of an experiment. The whole thing was bigger than me. I mean, that's just, you know, the maturity at his age to understand what he was embarking upon was, it's just unbelievable. More from Jackie Robinson. A life is not important except in the impact it has on other lives. I'm not concerned with your liking or disliking me. All I ask is that you respect me as a human being. Life is not a spectator sport. If you're going to spend your whole life in the grandstand just watching what goes on, in my opinion, you're wasting life. You're wasting your life. Um, I mean, just think about it. The grand context of all that he's saying here, um, you know, how can it be applied not just to baseball? But the reality of almost anything you do, there's a great lesson to be learned. Um, again, the great impact that Jackie Robinson made, not just on baseball, but on an entire country. More from Jackie Robinson, some famous quotes from him. There's not an American in this country free until every one of us is free. Again, April 15th, 1947, when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. During my life, I've had a few nightmares which happened to me while I was wide awake. I'm grateful for all the breaks and honors and opportunities I've had, but I always believe I won't have it made until the humblest black kid in the most remote backwoods of America has it made. A couple more from Jackie Robinson here as we commemorate and celebrate Jackie Robinson Day here at Guaranteed Rate Field. Jeff Meller on White Sox Weekly. Many people resented my impatience and honesty, but I never cared about acceptance as much as I cared about respect. Negroes aren't seeking anything which is not good for the nation as well as ourselves. In order for America to be 100% strong, economically, defensively, and morally, we cannot afford the waste of having second- and third-class citizens. Two more here from Jackie Robinson. Blacks have had to learn to protect themselves by being cynical, but not cynical enough to slam the door on potential opportunities. We go through life walking a tightrope to prevent too much disillusionment. And finally, one more from Jackie Robinson. Above anything else, I hate to lose. And, uh, you know, it, it just goes to show, amongst all that he was going through and enduring, you know, he was still a competitor. And um, so, you know, sometimes, you know, there's, and rightfully so, a lot to be made of what he did, what he had to go through, and um, just the great burden that was his career, but it was also a Hall of Fame career where he was um, just a fabulous, fabulous player, you know, and, you know, uh, numerous, numerous titles with the Dodgers and was always, you know, 
generally thought of as their best player for the vast majority of his career. So uh, just a huge, huge impact, again, not just on baseball, but across the country. And uh, it'd be, uh, you know, like I said, if you're just kind of doing nothing on a Saturday and looking for something to do, what better day than on a beautiful Saturday afternoon to come out to Guaranteed Rate Field and enjoy the celebration with us here as everybody dons the number 42 um, on the field today to celebrate Jackie Robinson. He had a 63.8 career war just a a ridiculous total um and again it's just insane when you consider what he was going through at the time how about this an on-base percentage of 410 410 ridiculous uh 200 career stolen bases had 141 home runs and um he had a slugging percentage of 477 and an ops of 887 ops plus 133. That one's for Connor McKnight. I know he loves the OPS plus, but uh, yes, uh, just just ridiculous. The career achievements by Jackie Robinson. He won the MVP in 1949. He, of course, was Rookie of the Year in 1947 and um, just was uh, critical in so many ways to the 1955 World Series championship team that the Brooklyn Dodgers uh, won. Uh, again, in 1955. So I'm Jeff Meller here on White Sox Weekly, just going over some of the great career achievements of Jackie Robinson on Jackie Robinson Day. Again, he will be recognized across all of baseball. So uh, just wanted to mention that because it is pretty cool when you look out on the field and you uh, see the players warming up and then checking the scoreboard and seeing number 42 list against everybody's name. Uh, A pretty cool sight. So uh, great day to be here and uh, maybe bring the the little ones out as well. A White Sox 10-game ticket plan gives you the ultimate flexibility pick games based on your schedule and your budget don't miss any of the action in 2023 for more information visit whitesacks.com slash ticket plans or call 312-674-1000 jeff meller here on white Sox weekly and the hard rock casino white Sox network talking with you if you'd like to jump on 312-332-3776 got a little bit of time for you james fegan going to join us in about 20 minutes uh connor mentioned his piece in the athletic earlier in the week and james always does great work he's going to join us in about 20 minutes so if you'd like to hop on board uh jump on now because uh, it would be the best time for you while we have a little bit of time um i mentioned rick Hahn meeting the media yesterday and uh a lot of interesting stuff. We've played a little bit for you earlier on today. Uh, Want to go through? We talked about Ronaldo Lopez yesterday having, you know, probably his toughest performance of the year, and uh, it came on the heels. It was tough because Lopez has been such a, a a vital piece for the White Sox so far this year, and Rick Hahn actually talked about Ronaldo Lopez handling the closer role before yesterday's game. I think Ronaldo's been awesome. Uh, and we talked about this a little bit in spring, too. Like, he came in with, like, absolutely on a mission. He wanted the ball in that in that closer role. I think Pedro's gone out of his way to explain to him. I, I was there in Minnesota when he did once again. Like, hey, you may close the eighth. You may close the seventh. It depends on the game situation. But bring that same mentality every time you go out there. And the stuff's been fantastic. He showed up, you know, raring to go and... and had taken to some of the adjustments that Ethan and Hass wanted him to make over the last six, eight months. Uh, and I absolutely think he's capable of handling a, a closer role on a regular basis if that's how someone wants to use him. Yeah, he's been great. I would concur with that assessment from Rick Hahn. I thought it was uh, 
interesting. He, you know, mentioned that he believes he could handle the closer role. I think, you know, if you look at the ERA, of course, right now, it's uh, it's not great. It doesn't look good because he did give up a couple of earned runs. But for the most part, he's been able to come in and do the job. And again, I will uh, say and reiterate that I thought he did do the job yesterday. Unfortunately, it was just a tough play for Elvis Andrews to make. And, you know, again, it would have been it would have been a great play by Elvis Andrews. It was a makeable play, but um, he was not able to come up with it. And that was a moment where Ronaldo Lopez doesn't necessarily handle it the way you were you would hope. But I'm confident going forward that uh, he will be a guy, a piece in the bullpen that the White Sox can count on going forward. And so hopefully a little bit of adversity earlier in this early in the season here will lead to maybe some uh, some more strength later on in the season as the White Sox look to get back to their winning ways. Um, as I mentioned, Kyle Gibson against Michael Kopech today. Um, interestingly enough, Kyle Gibson had some very interesting comments earlier in the week when he was asked specifically about a certain celebration by the Baltimore Orioles. And this would be when they're at bat. Some interesting things unfolding that has caught a lot of national media. So we've got the Orioles in town today here at Guaranteed Rate Field. I'll let you hear what Kyle Gibson had to say about that coming up next right here on White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000 and the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller in for Connor McKnight, who has the call of today's game along with Darren Jackson. First pitch at 110 today. Pre-game show will start at 1230. White Sox Weekly up until then. So your opportunity to join us, 312-332-3776 if you'd like to talk some Sox with me for the next hour or so. Uh, James Fegan scheduled to join us in about 15 minutes from now. He covers the White Sox for the Athletics, so we'll pick his brain as well about uh, what he's seen from the White Sox 14 games in. Let's head on out to Lyle and say good morning for a few more minutes to Dean. Dean, what's going on? You're on White Sox Weekly. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call so fast. i got to be honest with you. I'm, I have uh, lost faith in my man Pedro Grafal, the uh, bench coach from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Late game leads, they're invaluable. And you don't put a guy like Deekman, who is not a leverage guy, who is a horrible walk ratio pitcher mm. in a situation like that. There's two leads that this guy has botched. I'm not talking Deekman, I'm talking about Grafal. So I, I got to say, the honeymoon's over. What are we, four or five games under 500? Not impressed by this guy. Secondly, uh, I'm tired, and this is how horrible. I'm tired of guys who play strong and hard for their country, but when it's time to play for their team with a guaranteed contract, hey, I go one for 18 in Pittsburgh, and, oh, geez, my back hurts. I'm done with this. That's it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking my call. All right, Dean, appreciate your passion. Um, you know, listen, uh, Yohan Mankata was placed on the injured list. If you listen to Pedro Grafal, he spoke about how Mankata basically fought the White Sox tooth and nail. He didn't want to go on the injured list. He, he clearly is somebody who wants to be out there. And Pedro Grafal, and that's fine, Dean. You can be critical of the manager and some of his choices. I mean, I, I get it. Uh, not everybody's in love with Jake Diekman's start. Uh, it's certainly understandable. But you do also need to rely on, you know, different arms in the bullpen at times and, you know, I think, you know, with a three-run lead, 
Uh, my my guess is that Pedro probably thought that it was an opportunity where he might be able to, you know, even if Diekman didn't have his best stuff, which he clearly didn't, he might be able to squeeze an inning of work out of him. That was, I think, the hope because that way he might not have had to have turned to Ronaldo Lopez when he did. That's the reality of, of baseball as a manager is it's not always about that night's game. You know, everything is it, everything going into it is about managing your bullpen and navigating it through, you know, not just a 162 game season, but also the realities of, you know, a series, right. And understanding, you know, when you have days off coming and what you're trying to do and understanding too, that pitchers need work, right? Like Diekman, you know, there's an opportunity with the lead to get him some action. And if you can get an inning out of him yesterday and maybe get him feeling some confidence, all of a sudden, maybe you feel better about turning to him in the next start. Maybe he feels better about that. That's the reality of the situation. So it's, it's, I think you can never just say you can't turn to that pitcher. If he's in your bullpen at some point, you're probably going to need, and I get it. You know, you, maybe you don't, you don't think of him as a, a high leverage arm and I get that, but it also doesn't help the situation that, you know, as Connor mentioned earlier in the show, Joe Kelly is on the injured list right now. And obviously we know about Liam Hendricks not being available. So when you're already missing two significant arms from your pen, you know, every manager is going to be tasked with, uh, you know, the reality that they're going to have to find opportunities to use different arms in their bullpen. And so it didn't work out last night. And, you know, he, he didn't, it's not like he gave Jake Diekman a long leash, right? As soon as he sensed the moment was Diekman didn't have it and he needed to turn elsewhere, he did. Um, and again, I think Ronaldo Lopez did a pretty decent job of almost getting them out of that jam. So, you know, it's it's not ideal. It's always going to be more difficult to listen to the explanation from a man from a manager after a game that they've lost, especially in a game where they've blown a lead. So I, I get it, um, you know, but to get back to the Johan Mancada criticism, I mean, again, he. He wants to be out there. He clearly, in the uh, last couple games over the weekend against the Pirates, uh, it, uh, Pedro Grafal noted he, you know, he d- was not having success. Clearly, um, the back was affecting his swing, and so they weren't going to just keep trotting him out there. They, they, I think you saw, based on them not immediately putting him on the injured list, they wanted to give it a couple days to see how it would respond. And if it responded okay, well then they would not have placed him on the injured list. But clearly you it's you know it I just you know it's one of those things where it's 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 just crazy to me on the heels of talking about Jackie Robinson in the previous segment, I then have to combat people who want to say a player is playing harder for his country than his team. I mean that's just that's it's, I don't believe that. That's not the reality. These guys are all professional athletes who have a lot of pride in what they do. And just because they show a lot of passion when they're playing in the World Baseball Classic doesn't mean that they're any less passionate about the game when they're playing for their teammates and the organization that pays them. So I'm just not going to buy that, Dean. Uh, sorry, uh, you can feel free to have your opinion, but I vehemently disagree about that. Um, I mentioned Kyle Gibson, the Baltimore Orioles starting pitcher today was uh, very, he had a very funny comment when he was asked specifically about the Baltimore Orioles celebration. And I should give some context for those who may not be aware. There is a funnel 
Um, anytime a white uh, an Orioles player homers, the they will use the funnel and they will chug water after the home run. And um, this had been affectionately termed the dong bomb. And apparently, that is not necessarily the way the Baltimore Orioles want it to be classified. Kyle Gibson addressed this earlier in the week. So if I'm the first person you've asked, we want to make sure that it's uh, you know rebranded a little bit. Uh, it's a Homer hose, not a... Uh, a dong bong. So it's a Homer hose. Um, just like as a kid, you know, you go out back, you take a drink from the water hose after you play outside playing wiffle ball. So uh, we've got a turn the water faucet on celebration when you hit a uh, single. We've got a sprinkler when you hit an extra base hit. And then it's a Homer hose when you hit a Homer. So just so you guys, uh, we know that we, that we get that straight. Did you ever think you'd say dong bong? No, never. Did never. Did never. <laughs> So there you go. Kyle Gibson, today's starter for the Baltimore Orioles against the White Sox today here at Guaranteed Rate Field, um, addressing the Baltimore Orioles home run celebration and not just the home run celebration, but they're very elaborate. As you heard, if it's a single, the player will look at the dugout and then uh, turn the knobs like he's turning the faucet on. And then for an extra base hit, a double or a triple, they then go ahead and mimic a sprinkler. It's the old old school sprinkler where uh, the dance move where you go back and forth slowly. And um, I, you know, I immediately thought of, uh, I believe it was uh, Knocked Up, the film Knocked Up, Judd Apatow's uh, classic comedy in the mid-2000s where I think uh, Seth Rogen's character was uh, using the sprinkler and the dice roll on the dance floor uh, quite significantly while the uh, Orioles have adopted the sprinkler for any double or triple. And then if, as the player, um, the one who actually got the hit, mimics the actual sprinkler motion, then all his teammates in the dugout will then spit spit water out onto the field. Um, So that is amusing. And then finally, of course, well, I guess we're going with Homer Hose, Brendan. Uh, I look over at Brendan Riley over my shoulder, our executive producer of White Sox Baseball. And uh, yes, so Homer Hose, if you actually hit the Homer, hopefully... We won't have to see any of that until after the Orioles get out of town here. But um, in case it does happen, just preparation. You can look for that in the dugout. That's something that uh, is always, you know, amusing. And um, you know, it's it's crazy to me. Think about it. We're doing uh, we're doing Homer hoses here in 2023, and it's just a great feeling. Because think of how far we've come since uh, you know the pandemic in 2020 when I. I'll be honest, I wasn't sure we were ever going to shake hands again. And now we're uh, back to uh, playing baseball in front of, uh, in front of fans, and uh, we're celebrating home runs with Homer hoses. And so uh, it's just, I love it. It's, uh, it's just a good feeling. It makes you feel good about baseball again. So, uh, you know, come on, check it out. Join us here at the ballpark today. Maybe you'll get a chance Again, hopefully not, but in the event that the Orioles do homer today, you can see it in person, the Homer Hose take effect. Hey, join us for Southside Mondays presented by United Airlines. Every Monday home game, watch your White Sox rep, the Southside jerseys, and honor small business making an impact on the Southside. Each specially priced ticket includes $20 in concession credit. All fans receive 20% off Southside jerseys. To purchase, visit whitesocks.com 
slash Mondays. I'm Jeff Meller here on White Sox Weekly again in for Connor McKnight, who has the call of today's action with Darren Jackson. Again, the first pitch coming your way at 110. Up next, we'll uh, check in with James Fegan, who covers the White Sox for The Athletic, right here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000, the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller filling in for Connor McKnight, who's got your call of today's game with Darren Jackson. And uh, it's my pleasure now to be joined here at Guaranteed Rate Field by the athletic beat reporter for the White Sox. James Fegan does great work, and I will always encourage folks, if you are not a subscriber to the athletic, uh, if you're a Sox fan, I think James Fegan's coverage is well worth what's it? You can usually find it for a dollar, a dollar a month. There's usually a deal going on. There's always some promotion going on that I am not properly versed on. But you can find it. They're very, they're they're definitely out there. So uh, if you're not uh, checking out James's work on the Athletic, you're certainly missing out. All right, James. Uh, yesterday was a tough loss for the White Sox. I thought it was probably the toughest loss of the year, considering they were leading that one and the bullpen wasn't able to come through. What was your assessment of last night's game? I mean, sure, it's a candidate uh, for toughest <laughs> loss. Uh, yeah, it's a situation where um, you know it's basically queued up the way they'd want to. They they we just put out an article yesterday about Alvarado Lopez and emergence as a guy that they want in every key situation, and they had him in that a little mm. bit. Obviously, they were hoping that Jake Diekman gets to that inning clean. They found like some lefty lefty matchups for him, but instead, you know, he kind of has two runners on. He's dealing with some control issues. Uh, but you still feel good. You have a situation where, um, you know, Ronaldo Lopez basically gets a, a weak grounder that could have been the third out, but it's almost just too weak. And, yes. And Elvis Andrews didn't have a play, and then he loses a little focus from there, walks Cedric Mullins on, on four pitches to force him to run, and brings in the matchup you didn't want um, to, to face Adley Rutschman. And even then, has him 0-2 and a fastball, 100-mile-an-hour fastball, tails back over the plate. Um, we were talking to Pedro today, you know, Ronaldo was going to be out there for to get four outs, and they're going to queue it up for, for Graven for a save, and obviously it's, that's not what happened. I mean, in in some respects, you know, it's a little bit like you went out on your shield, it's your, your best reliever, you put him out there in a situation, it just didn't happen, and that's going to happen, you know, hopefully less than five times over the course of a season, but... Uh, for a team that's really been needing some sort of turnaround, needing for things to come together, it seemed like a well played, sharp game up to that point, and it you know erodes on them. And you know now you're looking at five and nine and five games back from the Twins already at this point in the year. Yeah, well, let's not look at the standings too closely because it looks like a daunting task already. But um, you mentioned you know talking with Pedro Grafal there. Um, what are your initial thoughts now, 14 games in, about um, how he's handling his inaugural year as a manager? I mean, he's he's very cool. He's level-headed. You know, everybody talks about things being communicated straight to the point. Um, it's just that the manager is not a cure-all. You know, you still have to execute. You know, still it's no substitute for you know hitting lots of homers and getting on base a ton. It's 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 not going to uh, make the bullpen healthier just uh, by osmosis. So mm-hmm. there's still difficulties. There's still uh, you know the injuries that are dealing with is not something that can be dealt with just the fact that you know Pedro communicates everything clearly or has a clear idea of what he wants. It, there's, there's still an execution side of it. There's still a player side of it that needs to come together. And you know I I, I haven't like radically I'm not out on him now because they started five and nine. But you know you also you haven't seen necessarily the 
totally revamped, you know, after the rough defensive series they had in Minneapolis, you haven't necessarily, if you were unconvinced that there was a new brand of baseball coming from the White Sox this year after how, the way they looked last year, you haven't seen enough to be like, oh, I'm on board. They're, they've totally changed everything yet. And it, it's, it seems like it's going to take time or it's going to be a process if it's going to work out. James Figgin covers the White Sox for The Athletic. Joining me here on White Sox Weekly, Jeff Meller and for Connor McKnight. Uh, Michael Kopech on the mound today. You mentioned you had a chance to chat with him a little bit in Minnesota. Clearly, he could definitely. I mean, he, he bounced back from the first start nicely, but the White Sox weren't able to give him any run support. How do you think he's uh, feeling right now early in the season? Well, you know, all throughout spring, it looked a little disjointed. Uh, and after his first spring outing, I think his, his velo was kind of consistently down. He's in the low 90s. And he said, like, oh, no, I know it'll be there when I need it, which is <laughs> sounds good uh, if you if you can trust it. But also, like, you know, it, you know, there's there's no pitcher whose velo has been down spring. And he said, like, oh, man, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, uh, so dead arm. It's always it, the dead arm. It, until the proof is there. It, it's hard to you know take that as word. But, you know, he was consistently 97, 98 all throughout um, his outing in Pittsburgh, even deep into the game. Whereas he had kind of, you know, maybe come out really hot uh, in some games in spring and then wavered over the course of uh, as he got fatigued. So he said it was uh, some things mechanically that he, he really felt he was getting onto his front side of his legs and his delivery a lot better. And that, you know, the, the proof was there. The, the, the stuff was, was pretty crisp. And, you know, obviously he's worked a ton on his slider. He's worked a ton on his curveball. But, you know, the difference between Michael Kopech being able to overpower people with his fastball and how much that sets everything up uh, is undeniable. I, I know he wants to be a complete pitcher and he's done a lot into it, but what makes him special is obviously the power and the, the you know the spin rate that he has on that. So when that's popping, like it's it's a, it's not just a guy getting by; it's a, it's a difference making starter. So if that's a mechanical fix that he can stay kind of set in um, long term, then yeah, that's obviously a plus contributor rotation. They need it. They need they need everything clicking uh, at, at the same time because they haven't had that uh, thus far this year. White Sox general manager Rick Hahn met the media yesterday before the game, and um, he mentioned both Liam Hendricks and Garrett Crochet. gave a little bit of an update on their current injury situations. Now, he didn't want to put a timeline on either guy, uh, rightfully so, until he actually sees them get out there and do some, do some uh, work. But um, I, I would say it sounded a bit encouraging hearing the general manager talk about two key pieces that will certainly help the bullpen. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Out of spring, at least the expectation for Garrett was mid-May. Um, you know, it, it's it's not as specific yet because he hasn't headed out a rehab since to Charlotte. But he's pitched a couple of games and extended, and obviously everyone has has seen him throw in spring and has been impressed by what he's doing. He's working on a four-pitch mix now, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know the sort of thing when you have Tommy John, you end up working on all your pitches. And maybe he won't be as much a fastball slider as he was, but you know, Garrett. Uh, <laughs> So one, one, one way to put it is that he looks great uh, physically. Uh, I would put it as he looks terrifying because he's six foot six and he's jacked. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so it, it looks like, especially with the work he's done with the mechanics, that maybe you could hope for him to be kind of the guy he was in 2020 when he comes back who, who could really touch triple digits. But the, the thing talking to relievers is like, hey, we got to deal with what we got. We got to win games right now. We have to be, you know, we're really confident in the eight dudes we have. You know, Keenan Middleton came up in Minneapolis and looked great, for example. But this is, these are two guys that they think are some, could be, you know, Liam has been the last four years, you know, some of the best relievers in baseball. And they could add it to a unit that's obviously underperformed so far this year. And Jimmy Lambert said as much when I talked to him this morning that this unit is underperformed. I think they can be better, but obviously with the ERA, you know, some things they piled up in the season. At this point, it's been a weak point, and they feel like they got two big additions coming. Um, and as unbelievable as it sounds, as much as like there's still hurdles for Liam to clear, like 
he's not on the 60-day IL for the reason because they think he can be back somewhat soon. And, you know, beyond the fact that it's being incredible, inspiring, yeah. you know, how is he playing off physically? You know, that's that's a guy who's won reliever of the year and earned it multiple times in the last couple of years. The, adding that guy to the bullpen, having Ronaldo Lopez being more flexible, not just the guy to get every big out uh, in the game, you know, that, that'd be a big lift. Well, you're so right. He's absolutely a fireman in the bullpen there and somebody who just, it's not only that, like just, you know, the leadership that he provides, you know, in, inside the clubhouse as well is undeniable. So it'd certainly be great to get him back. Uh, I mean, I think anybody would have said, as the season started, hey, if Liam Hendricks comes back at all at any point this season, that would be phenomenal. But just, you know, the fact that they're even discussing the idea that he could be back sooner rather than later or intimating it is very, very cool, I would say, for folks out there. Uh, you mentioned, though, uh, interesting there, Crochet working on four different pitches. Has the ship set sail on him ever being a starter? Do you think he's basically locked into the pen or do you think there's a possibility down the road in a couple of years they could entertain that notion? I think it's going to be really hard. It's certainly not going to happen, you know, this year. Uh, it's and I think the team needs are kind of shifting. Well, I could go two ways about that. You know, obviously, he could be he's such an immediate force in the bullpen. Do you want to go through this process that could involve some struggles uh, for him starting? And the fact that he didn't do in the minors at all, which you know differentiates him a little bit from Kopech, kind of that hybrid year of building up to it. Yep. But yeah, I. I you know, the, you're talking, you know, Giolito and Clevenger are free agents after this year. Lance Lynn has a team option. It's not like there's there's no need in the rotation to develop a long term. I, I just think it's going to be really tricky uh, with the years he has left until free agency or the immediate needs of the immediate team that wants to contend right away. Do you take away somebody who's such a weapon in the bullpen potentially to maybe develop them? And, and you know, does that involve going back to the Myers? Does it involve, you know, some degree of struggle for someone who hasn't really started really since not even his junior year of college, even farther back from that. He, he, he kind of acknowledged yeah. that, you know, he didn't, his, his junior season was the COVID year. His longest outing was like three and two thirds. It, it's been a really long time. So I think it'd be really difficult, but if he's dominant, if he's showing you four pitches, if he's throwing strikes then yeah, maybe it's a conversation he can start again with his performance. Yeah. I just, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, but you mentioned four pitches. So that's the one thing that pops in my head. I wonder, um, James Fegan of The Athletic covers the White Sox for them here on ESPN 1000, the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Jeff Meller in for Connor McKnight today. All right, so uh, any thoughts? Uh, I, I was mentioning earlier Jackie Robinson Day. Just uh, do you have any thought? I mean, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, so I apologize for that. But, um, you know, I have to say, like, it, it is pretty cool just to walk in and still, like, understand the significance of Jackie Robinson Day here at the ballpark. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's important. I, I wish that... Uh you know, I, I had a friend who had a pretty good idea. I thought to expand it beyond what they're doing to talk about, you know, the guys who integrated every team. It'd be it'd be great to do something about recognizing Minnie Minoso's role uh, in integrating this franchise, or you know, have have mm-hmm. Cleveland talk about Larry Doby, and you know, really kind of build off of what the momentum is from here, from having this be a thing that players embrace every, every year to, you know, diving deeper into the history of, uh, you know, both uh, the integration of teams, but also the Negro Leagues that came before that. I, I think. It can be a starting point uh, that I'd love to see the league build on. No doubt about it. Great stuff, James. Appreciate you popping into the booth here. Again, he's James Fegan. You can read him on The Athletic. And if you're not, you're missing out. Great Sox coverage there. I'm Jeff Meller. Again, this is the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Quickly, Sox Crawl is back. Join us April 29th for a pregame whiskey cue. Sox Crawl, presented by Jack Daniels. Enjoy an exclusive barbecue menu, specialty cocktails from Jack Daniels, and receive a White Sox hockey jersey presented by Guaranteed Rate. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash Sox Crawl. Again, this is ESPN 1000, Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. Here we go, yo! 
Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch, ESPN 1000 Chicago. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000 and the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller, in for Connor McKnight today, who will be on the call with Darren Jackson as the White Sox host the Baltimore Orioles today here at Guaranteed Rate Field. Let's pause 10 seconds for station's identification. Live from the Old National Bank State Street Studio. This is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. As I mentioned earlier, it is a beautiful day here out at the ballpark. We are about an hour and 10 minutes away from first pitch. So uh, if you're looking for something to do and you're in the area, swing on by because it is an absolutely gorgeous day for baseball. We've got Jackie Robinson Day here at the ballpark on a Saturday. What could be better? Uh, Michael Kopech taking on Kyle Gibson. So great reason to be out here at Guarantee Rate today. Come on out and join us. And, hey, if you're still looking to select your perfect seats for the 2023 season, join us at Guaranteed Rate Field for our spring open house on Saturday, April 22nd. That's next Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Freely walk around the ballpark and find the best seat and ticket plan that fits your schedule and budget. To sign up, visit whitesocks.com slash open house. All right. White Sox General Manager Rick Hahn met the media yesterday. And as I was just talking with James Fegan of The Athletic about, he gave us an update regarding both Garrett Crochet and Liam Hendricks. What, uh, is Crochet throwing in? He is. He is. He's, he appeared um, either in two or three games. One or two. So he's, he's progressing nicely. Again, similar to with Liam, uh, I really won't be able to tell you the time frame until we put him on a rehab assignment. Uh, but in both players' instances, we've remained optimistic that we be able to do that by the end of this month or early next month. The crochet, what's he, how many pitches he's thrown? Do you know it's, he's, bouncing, he's bouncing back nicely from no, what he's No doing. issues. He, he's hitting every milestone. Again, TJ's actually a little easier for me to talk about because right. we do have fairly specific milestones. And, and you start with an end date or sort of an end goal. With his, his situation will be we're going to activate him in Chicago after he's available to do multiple inning outings and able to do back-to-backs. And we have a calendar all laid out going back to January with what gets us there. And so far, he's hit each milestone. Is Liam in Glendale? Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't know if right now. He's working. Right right now. Okay. Yeah. I don't know yeah, if we talked to you uh, since he rang the bell. Uh, yeah. I mean, what did that... We talked to a number of people who talked about how much it meant to the organization. And, you know. Look, it's... You get caught up in the competitiveness. You get caught up in the slow start or injuries or whatever, you know. Can, you can always find something to be a little frustrated or disappointed about in this game uh, if you let it. Uh, but with Liam, you know, he's helped, I think, all of us sort of take a broader view about what's important on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and at the same time, we've seen him not lose an ounce of his competitiveness, whether it's been a battle against cancer or a battle to get back to his previous form and rejoin us. Uh, so I think he's... He's been uh, able to provide us all with a healthy dose of perspective as well as, uh, you know, a lot of inspiration. So looking forward to having him back. I think uh, all White Sox fans are looking forward to the day when Liam Hendricks can actually come out of that bullpen again. Um, You know, again, not just because of the great, uh, courageous human story, but, you know, also because he is such a a vital part of that bullpen. Your closer, he's been locked down. um, Everything you could have hoped for and more as not just a closer, but as a leader for the team. And, um, you know, 
38 and 37 saves for the White Sox the first two uh, seasons of this contract here. He's been an all-star both years um, and just, you know, a guy you can count on for, you know, the occasional, you know, the, the four or five outs when you need him. So, you know, everything, too, like a little bit about yesterday's loss, getting back to where they're at. You know, Pedro Grafal has to, you know, it... When the White Sox were setting up the roster, clearly they, it's one of those things where you never think, okay, this is going to be an issue. You don't think, okay, one of our players is going to you know, have to deal with cancer. And so, you know, what the White Sox have, you know, that, that news that they got, and, you know, I believe it was uh, early November, um, you know, was tough to deal with. And, of course, you know, he, everyone's, you know, Rooting like hell for Liam Hendricks, and clearly, you know, as uh, you heard in that uh, soundbite, you know, he, he rang the bell, signifying that he's cancer-free, having gone through the treatment. So extraordinary news. Now he just needs to get his strength back and get on that throwing regiment. And, you know, cannot wait to see him back in that bullpen because having him there, everything really does kind of fall in line behind him when you've got that absolute lockdown closer that Liam Hendricks is. And, you know, you also heard, you know, Garrett Crochet, coming back from Tommy John surgery. So that's somebody who, you know, that's that elite weapon out of the pen, the left-hander, you know, an, you know, a seventh or eighth inning guy. Whenever you've got a difficult lefty in the lineup, you can turn to him. So, um, you know, they've dealt with some significant injuries. And then, of course, Joe Kelly this year on the injured list. So, you know, the bullpen, which was a strength, you know, at times, you know, is dealing with some injuries. So that's that's been tough for Pedro Grafal to have to navigate here in the early goings. So, you know, once the White Sox can get some health back, it, they certainly will be a a better team. And hopefully, you know, they can just uh, rely on the depth they have here and get some wins uh, going in the right direction. Rick Hahn, White Sox general manager, also talked specifically about not drawing too many big conclusions from a small sample size. It's really dangerous to take broad conclusions from one game or three games at any stretch of the year, whether it's in April when things tend to get magnified or, you know, even mid-June. Like any three-game stretch, frankly, even any 13-game stretch is not necessarily indicative of the other 159 or 149 games, uh, whatever the math is there. Uh, Good on my feet, right? Um, that said, every team wants to get off to a good start. We're disappointed in how the start has gone thus far. There's been times where the starting pitching was probably the culprit for keeping us out of games. There's been times when it's been the bullpen. Uh, both of those two certainly stepped up over the week in, in Minnesota. Uh, so it's just really a matter of getting each element clicking at the same time. I, I Again, I think the simpler way of explaining it is we know we have something to prove and we know we have to prove it so you know and think about it i mentioned you know some of those key injuries in the bullpen of course we didn't even hit on all the key hitters who have been in and out of the lineup for the white Sox this year of course tim anderson right now and i will add some encouraging news rick did mention that uh, they're hopeful that tim anderson will be able to re- return from the injured list on the earlier side of that initial two to four week timeline, he's hoping that it'll be much closer to two weeks than four. So that is some encouraging news. If the White Sox could get their uh, 
that heartbeat back at shortstop, the top of the order uh, starter that Tim Anderson is, if he comes back sooner rather than later, that certainly will be some good news. Of course, they got Aloy back yesterday, designated hitter. Uh, we do expect that Aloy will probably be DHing a little more here on the in the early going as he tries to uh, you know get back to full health. And of course, I think that is certainly the prudent way of approaching it to keep him at DH because. His bat is so vital. He's hitting cleanup today. That's uh, certainly somebody who's good to have back in the lineup. And then hopefully, Yoan Mankata's stay on the injured list won't be more than 10, ten days. They're just hoping to, uh, I uh, heard Pedro Grafal say yesterday, they're hoping just to kind of nip it in the bud here early and get him back and out there, back to full health. Especially because he's been somebody who, due to the new rules, the new shift rules, where you're only allowed to have two fielders on either side of the base. He has absolutely benefited early on um, as uh, when he's hitting left-handed because, you know, he has traditionally been somebody who, when he's up there hitting left-handed, you know, he hits a lot of balls into those traditional shifts that we've seen proliferate the majors over the last decade or so. And um, early on, I know uh, Jason Stark had a stat in his column in The Athletic. I believe uh, he had four hits um, early on as a left-hander, uh, essentially, uh, that would have been taken away by the shift last season. And that's something that, uh, you know, Yohan Mankata has definitely looked like, at least in the early on, benefited from the new rules. So it would be good to get him back out there early as well. Um, Rick Hahn was pressed, though, by the media asking, okay, so the White Sox talked a lot about, you know, kind of changing things up here um, in terms of health and how they were approaching things with their players and how they thought they had a good plan in place to be healthier this year. And of course, when you're dealing with some injuries in the early going, uh, Rickon was pressed and asked, okay, so do you still stand by all the changes that you've made? Am I going to let 13 days dictate our feelings on the, the changes we've made? Absolutely not. Uh, the the level of preparation, analysis, professionalism, everything that has gone into player performance uh, has been impressive and remains strong. I, I sat here. I think it was your fault, actually, at the last time we sat here together when we wanted not to get uh, when we wanted to talk wanted about to. check your comments. Will be one of you. Uh, <laughs> when we were talking about player health and availability and how great of a start we had and how oh, great yeah, it is to have that core together. And I think you might have, to your credit, even said, I don't want to attempt the baseball guys, which, which you did. Uh, so that was a week ago, right? Maybe 10 days ago when we had that conversation. So we didn't go from, like, doing a really great job, keeping everyone healthy, into horse in 10 days. Like, it's a larger... It's a larger process. And as I said that day, unfortunately, I think I was right by like five hours. I said, somebody is going to pull a hamstring at some point. This is professional sports. This happens. If you look around the game, there are guys getting hurt left and right. Just from normal course of competing this much early in the season. March and April tend to be the cruelest months when it comes to injuries as you ramp guys up. Uh, Again, we want to do better. We're not going to... far, far, far from satisfied, but are we confident that we're doing the right thing, we're on the right path? Yes. 
So there you go. Nothing to overreact to. Again, early baseball, especially in March and April, oftentimes that's when you will see some of the most injuries, You know, not just by the White Sox, but across all of baseball as players are getting back into their baseball condition, playing shape, trying to get back out there and used to the routine. And you will see you know, muscle pulls more often in the early going, especially too. When you're dealing with cooler weather, of course, uh, right now it's not cooler. It's beautiful out at the ballpark here at Guaranteed Rate Field. So, again, if you're uh, looking for something to do, you got a little bit of time. Get on over here. Join us for Jackie Robinson Day. It is fabulous. It's a perfect day to watch some White Sox baseball as they host the Orioles for the second of this three-game set. Hey, students, it's easier than ever to get your friends together for a White Sox game. Sign up for Student Steals Alerts and get exclusive access to lower-level tickets offers starting at just nine dollars for more information visit whitesocks.com slash student or text student to 244-769 i'm jeff meller here on white Sox weekly connor mcknight has the call with darren jackson coming your way first pitch at 110 this is the hard rock casino white Sox network Wrapping things up here on white Sox weekly again you can catch white Sox weekly every saturday during the White Sox season, two hours, and then, of course, in the offseason, you get an hour of White Sox Weekly, but two hours every Saturday during the season, two hours prior to our pregame coverage. That will be coming your way in about 10 minutes as we get you set for the second of this three-game set. White Sox hosting the Orioles here at Guaranteed Rate Field. Again, absolutely fabulous, beautiful day. Cannot wait to get out onto the concourse and grab myself a dog with some onions. That's the beautiful thing about being here at the ballpark, along with watching some baseball. Again, I'm Jeff Meller, in for Connor McKnight. Connor's got the call, along with Darren Jackson today. Again, first pitch coming your way at 110. Hey, Sox fans and school teachers, join us May 4th for Weather Day, presented by the NBC5 Storm Team, before the White Sox take on the Twins at 110 p.m. Learn how weather impacts baseball and what it means to be a meteorologist with the NBC5 Storm Team. Enjoy demonstrations, trivia, southpaw, and more. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash weather. All right, uh, I wanted to bring this to you because I thought it was very cool, interesting, in the booth yesterday, if you missed it, early in the game, Len and DJ, of course, were on the call, and uh, they had a special guest, none other than the Chicago Bears' newest wide receiver, DJ Moore, the man who was a critical piece in the move that Ryan Poles made, trading the first overall pick. Uh, he demanded that DJ Moore be involved when he traded with the Carolina Panthers because, of course, DJ Moore hopefully will be a critical piece to Justin Fields' development, and the newest Bears wide receiver joined Lennon DJ in the booth yesterday, and he mentioned about how he knew he had some fans around the country, but he was a little taken aback when he learned that he had been traded to the Bears. Yeah, I, I noticed that uh, when the whole trade went hap- happened, Social media was going crazy. So when I seen a whole bunch of Chicago fans already, I was uh, so excited. And when I got here, it even, like, doubled. Yeah, no no surprise there, DJ. Uh, Bears fans want a good wide receiver, and he certainly is that. More from DJ Moore with Len and DJ in the booth yesterday. He was... Uh, Len pressed him a little bit on, uh, you know, some of his favorite playing services. How many games at Soldier Field have you played? Uh, none. <laughs> you haven't played any? Okay. I think you'll love it. You'll love the way the fans 
uh, are into it there. And you're used to playing outside on the natural grass. No, not, no issues. Maybe not in the same cold, but, you no. know. No, I'm good with the cold. The cold's not going to bother okay, me. Uh, good. Yeah, so I should be good. Again, I don't want to get you in any trouble. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with the turf? Because I've heard some of the artificial turf, some guys have kind of complained in certain uh, stadiums. Do you, does it matter to you what surface you play on? Uh, no, not really. Uh, we got to go out there and do a job at the end of the day. Some people say turf hurts people, but grass hurt people the same way. <laughs> so I don't know. Just go out there and get the job done. Again, DJ Moore, the uh, newest wide receiver for the Chicago Bears, joining Len Casper and Darren Jackson yesterday in the booth. One more uh, interesting nugget from DJ Moore. Uh, he was asked about who is the best wide receiver, in his opinion, in the National Football League. The best wide receiver in the league right now, I give it to Stefan Diggs. You know, got to okay. stay with the Maryland uh, Terps, so I'm Humble. looking to Stephon. All right. Well, when we get him in the booth, he's going to say DJ Moore. There we go. He better. <laughs> <laughs> Love to hear that. Uh, some uh, support for your fellow Maryland Terpins. Uh, DJ Moore, you know what? Uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe with a, a good year for the Bears, he could maybe lay claim to one of the best wide receivers in football. I think if uh, he does what he did in Carolina, he will have uh, he will have a growing fan base that will certainly stamp, stand for him and uh, stump for him being one of the best wide receivers in football if he can uh, – Produce the way Bears fans hope. Again, uh, just a great reason why you should always be listening to the White Sox games because you never know who's going to pop in the booth and give you a little bit of a surprise. It was very cool to hear DJ Moore joining Len Casper and Darren Jackson yesterday during the first of the White Sox Baltimore Orioles series here. Again, uh, game two today of this three-game set. Michael Kopech on the mound against Kyle Gibson today. Gibson's been uh, pretty good this year, providing quality starts when he goes to the mound for the Orioles. So he's certainly somebody who is uh, a serviceable veteran who the White Sox are very familiar with from his days with the Minnesota Twins. So certainly a familiar opponent today on the Hill for the Orioles against the White Sox. We will hopefully get to see the White Sox put up a few more runs than yesterday, of course, losing their third straight to the Baltimore. I'm sorry, their third straight of the, uh, right now of the season uh, to the Baltimore Orioles yesterday, 6-3. to three. Hopefully the White Sox can get back to the winning ways here on Jackie Robinson Day. They are out there watering the infield right now, getting things set for the game again. 110 first pitch coming your way. We'll have the pregame coverage starting up in a little over five minutes from now. Um, again, Jackie Robinson Day, and uh, if you missed it earlier, Andrew Benintendi is going to be doing the leading off in left field as uh, he has been so far since uh, Tim Anderson's been out for the most part. Luis Robert hitting second in center field. Batting third will be Andrew Vaughn playing first. Eloy Jimenez made his return to the lineup yesterday. He'll be DHing and hitting cleanup yet again. Hitting fifth, doing the catching today, Asmani Grandal. Jake Berger back in the lineup after a home run yesterday. Uh, he'll be hitting sixth for the White Sox. Um, again, 
interesting, well, not interesting, uh, interesting to me, but if you're unaware and you didn't know this by now, everybody is still wearing number 42 in honor of Jackie Robinson. So uh, I love that about today, just looking around the field, everybody uh, sprinkled with 42 out there is always cool. Hitting seventh, playing right field will be Oscar Colas. Um, hitting eighth, playing second base, Lenin Sosa. Had a really nice defensive play yesterday if you missed it as well. Um, and then, unfortunately, then there, then there was a moment later in the game when he actually, you know, wish he would have uh, been a little more alert and uh, looking for the cutoff throw uh, later in the game. I, I, ultimately, I don't think it ended up costing the White Sox, but, uh, you know, he still made a, a great play in foul territory where he was able to prevent the run from scoring. So um, I, I'm happy and uh, kind of excited to see Lenin Sosa. I guess that's the one upside with Tim Anderson, if you want to look at the you know the bright spot here of Tim Anderson being out for a little bit. Lenin Sosa getting a little bit of action because I, I, I he's somebody who I think has a bright future. So having an opportunity to see him play on a regular basis I think is a good thing. He again will hit eighth today. And then rounding out the lineup will be Elvis Andrews playing shortstop and batting ninth for the White Sox today with uh, Michael Kopech on the mound as he looks to bounce back um, and get a win finally. Again, he pitched well, well against the Pirates last Sunday, but there was no support for him, so it'd be nice if uh, to steal Connor's, uh, to steal Connor's uh, little uh, uh, tripod um, method from earlier in the show if uh, the White Sox can finally get all three phases working together, the lineup, the pitching, and the bullpen, or maybe just two of the three at the very least, and that way they can go ahead and end this three-game skid. That would be excellent. Um, want to say thanks to the executive producer of White Sox Baseball, Brendan Riley, hanging out with me here in the booth today, and of course, Jake Cantu, who's back at the studio at ESPN 1000 for uh, getting all our stuff ready to go today. A lot of great uh, sound we played for you. Heard from Michael, Mike Clevenger, Rick Hahn quite a bit. We let you hear from the White Sox manager, Pedro Grafal, as well, who joined Cap and J-Hood earlier in the week. So hope you had a blast. If you missed any of it, don't forget you can always get White Sox Weekly on the ESPN Chicago app in podcast form. All right, thanks to my guests, Connor McKnight and James Fegan as well, for joining me here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Jeff Meller. Going to come back at you with the White Sox pregame show coming your way at 1230. Again, first pitch between the White Sox and Orioles is at 110. Keep it here, right here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network.